Well, it's fall. It's November. That means they're playing the World Series. I'm still hoping the Phillies can beat the Astros. Um, it's a tight one tonight. It's also time to turn back the clocks. You know that. You know that always happens. You always sort of about late October start to think, when is that again? When do we turn back the clocks again? Because they've already turned them back in England. It's been uh, messing with some of my interview schedules because they're already an hour. It's only four hours uh, between Eastern Canada and England right now, seven hours between BC and the UK at this time of year. Well, that'll all change on the weekend because we're going to move our clocks back as well um, overnight and just from Saturday to Sunday. Um, I was wondering, what do you think of that? Do you mind? I, I don't really mind. I find the spring forward one tough. I think we all do. The fall back one's not so bad. Uh, should we get rid of it? That's been talked about a lot, hasn't it? A lot of jurisdictions are looking into that, but waiting for others to take, make the first move, so to speak. Um, and if we were to choose just one, what would it be? You know, daylight savings time is 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 fine. We get lots of sunlight in the summer and in the spring, you know, su sunny evenings. It turns out its history is a bit so There are a lot of different versions of why that came about, but apparently it's because some guy in England wanted to play golf. Uh, I don't know how true that is. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, having a sun, having sun in the evening is leisurely. Having daylight earlier in the morning is really important. And it turns out that standard time might actually be better for us. But let me know what you think. 877-399-9898. So, as I mentioned, we're turning the clocks back. The good news, falling back doesn't seem to have the same kind of negative consequences for us that springing forward does uh, in the spring. If anything, we get to enjoy that extra hour of sleep. And while the sun does set a whole lot earlier, which is the worst part of it, you know, when the sun starts setting at like, you know, 10 to 5, you start to think, wow, you know, winter's on its way. Uh, we do get more morning daylight, which is also good too, because of course, I think all of us have been waking up in the dark for a little bit now. Uh, again, there are ongoing efforts to stop all this back and forth by choosing one and sticking with it year round. A lot of jurisdictions favor daylight saving time. And yet again, despite the shorter evenings in the summer, if we had to stick with just one, maybe our bodies and our brains may actually prefer standard time. Joining me now with more on this is Patricia Lakin-Thomas. She knows of what she speaks. She's a biology professor at York University and head of something called the Clock Lab. Thanks for your time. I'm very happy to be with you. Tell me a bit about, uh, about the Clock Lab. It sounds like a fascinating spot. Well, we are a research lab in uh, the Department of Biology at York University, and we study biological clocks, the thing that gives you jet lag when you fly across time zones, but we don't study it in humans because that's too difficult. So we study it in a model organism, which is a fungus, and we are trying to solve the question, um, how does a fungus tell time? Because it can actually tell what time of day it is. It makes spores at a particular time of day. And we are working down at the molecular and the genetic level to try to figure out what genes, what proteins are creating a biochemical mechanism, a feedback loop of some kind that can actually oscillate in a 24-hour time so that the fungus knows what time to make spores each day. It is remarkable because we have sort of social time. That's the time on your watch or your clock. We've got body time and brain time. It feels like there's a lot of different competing uh, rhythms going on here. What happens then when we set the clocks back or set them forward? Uh, in this case, we're setting them back. So we'll talk about falling back. Right. So it's just like flying across one time zone. 
So you have a clock in your brain that is set to light. It likes to clue into the sunrise in particular, and there's a particular reason for that. And the, the clock in your brain, in turn, uh, sends out signals, both hormones and neuronal signals, to the rest of your body. And you have clocks all over your body. So in the liver, in the heart, and lungs, uh, muscles, and they are kind of slow to reset. So when you fly across time zones and you put yourself at a new social time, and the social time is the clock on the wall or your, your watch, your brain clock could reset to the light schedule in a new location, but it will take a little time for it to get the rest of your body into sync. So when you're jet lagged, your liver is trying to catch up with your brain, basically, and you your physiology is a bit out of whack and you can feel a, a bit out of sorts. So when we change the social clock at daylight saving time, we are forcing ourselves to get up at a different time when our body is used to getting up at the previous time, and it can take a little while to readjust to that new time. Your brain may reset quickly, but your body will take a bit of time to reset. And therein, I guess, lies the difference. And there is, and you found this to be a difference. And I actually didn't know this. I mean, I think if you t thought about it rationally, it would make sense. But the impact that we see when we spring forward uh, into daylight savings time is not the same as what we see when we fall back, back into standard time. Why is that? In the spring, you spring forward. So you set the clock forward an hour. And for one thing, you lose an hour of sleep on Sunday morning. You have to get up an hour earlier than you were used to getting up the previous week. So everybody is an hour sleep deprived. Plus, you're moving your brain and body clock an hour away from what is a more natural time. In the fall, we're falling back. We're moving the clocks back an hour. So we get to sleep in an hour on Sunday morning. And that's great. Everybody gets to catch up on an hour of sleep. And believe me, we are all working sleep deprived all the time. So an hour of sleep makes us feel better. Plus, we're moving the clock back closer to our natural biological time. So let me define what that biological time would be ideally. The clock in the brain and the clocks around the body work a little bit slow. They're not really that accurate. They run a bit slow. They need to be reset every day by, an, by about 20 to 30 minutes. We run a bit slow. To do the resetting, you need, clock, you need light in the morning. To advance your clock a little bit, you need morning light. If you get a lot of light in the evening, you set your clock even slower. You set it back even more. So we really need the sunrise, and humans really do clue into that sunrise. The ideal is for us to get up at sunrise. And in standard time, which is what we have in the winter, we're closer to that ideal time that the clock on the wall, when it says noon, the sun is at its highest point in the sky. That's solar noon. And those the social clock and the sun match each other. And so we are more likely to get up close to dawn and close to what our brain and body expect. In daylight saving time, we've moved ourselves an hour away from that. So in the spring, we're moving ourselves an hour away from our natural wake-up time. And in the fall, we're moving closer to that. And so it's easier to adapt to that. So in a nutshell, the body and the brain, for that matter, prefer standard time. They prefer light in the morning. Definitely. Uh, several different lines of research showing that we perform better, our health is better on standard time. 
And daylight saving time puts some extra stress on us. So when we look at, I mean, there's lots of talk about this. I really wanted to talk about the history of this because I didn't realize, I mean, when one thinks about it, there's always, you know, we hear stories about farms and kids going to school in the morning. But uh, listening to an interview you gave elsewhere, I was fascinated to know that it was actually, you know, the whole idea of daylight savings time was kind of put in place by someone who wanted to play golf after work, which doesn't sound like it was for the betterment of, of greater society in any way, shape or form. Well, there are a couple of versions of the William Willett story. Um, right. Of course, we didn't have any standard time until the 19th century when railroads came in and towns in England realized they needed some standard timetables for the railroad. And they had to send people around with accurate watches to go from town to town to reset the town clocks from these accurate watches that were set in London so that everybody on the railroad lines would know what time the train was going to arrive at a standard London time. Because previously, everyone in every village would set their local town clocks to the sundial, which told you what the sun was doing. And, and you'd be a few minutes out from London time because the sun was coming to you earlier or later than it was to London. So everybody had their own local time. They had to standardize it in the 19th century for industrial reasons and train reasons. In the end of the 19th century and beginning of the 20th century, people noticed that we were sleeping in late sometimes in the summer after the sun came up. And wouldn't it be nice to have more sun in the afternoon? And shouldn't we be uh, getting up earlier? So William Willett, this British builder, uh, felt that he wanted more time out on the golf links on a sunny afternoon, and he also wanted working people to stop lazing around in bed on a sunny morning and get up with the sun. And it was his idea to move the clocks an hour so that we would be getting up an hour earlier and we'd have more sun in the afternoon. Um, the first place to actually adopt it turned out to be Port Arthur, Ontario. Yeah, Thunder Bay. Wow. Oddly enough, now Thunder Bay. Yeah. yeah. But it really wasn't adopted internationally until World War I. And that's when the first set of countries adopted the idea of daylight saving time. But it was then thought to be an energy saving move during World War I in order to save coal for energy purposes. So you've made a pretty clear argument here. There's a lot of movements or a lot of initiatives out there, at least, to try to put an end to changing the clocks back. But a lot of them seem to lean towards daylight savings time. That's really that whole notion of having light in the evening. But you've mentioned that in the past, it's run into some real problems when that light, when the seasons change, essentially. It has been tried in the past, uh, year-round daylight saving time. Of course, most of the world doesn't use daylight saving time. We're talking about Europe and North America mostly, a few scattered countries elsewhere. Every study that's been done has shown there were never substantial energy savings. There was a rumor that farmers liked it, but that has never been the case. And if you ask a farmer, they will tell you, no, they don't like daylight saving time. Their animals get up with the sun, and the farmer right. gets up when the animals get up. And in fact, it can be a problem for farmers if they have to organize their work schedule with a business that wants them to deliver their product early in the morning, but the cows aren't awake yet. <laughs> you know? of course, um, permanent daylight saving time was tried in the U.S. after World War II. They tried it again in 1974, 
79% of the public thought it was a great idea before they tried it. After the first winter, public support dropped to 42% because people think it sounds great. You're going to get a little more light in a summer afternoon. And what they find is the winter mornings are really hard. Waking up in pitch darkness in the winter is really hard. So in the 70s, uh, in the U.S., they dropped it after a couple of years, even before the originally scheduled end date. The U.K. tried year-round daylight saving time for a few years, dropped it, and went back to twice-yearly changes. My prediction is that when jurisdictions here in North America do bring it in, they're going to find how hard it is on winter mornings, and everybody's going to hate it. Right. And we go right back to where this all began to some extent. I know many jurisdictions. I'm out in BC. They've, they've, um, you know, there was discussion here of it. it it's, uh, I, I gather they're waiting for it. it. Hasn't been passed yet, I don't think, but they're waiting for well, other jurisdictions to, to, I mean, many other areas say, okay, we'll do this when everyone else does this. Right. That's yeah. kind of where we're at. Yeah. So the status in both Ontario and BC is kind of equivalent in that there has been legislation passed. In both cases, they say, we're not going to switch until the neighboring jurisdictions do. So they're basically waiting on their U.S. neighbors to do this. But in the U.S. Senate, they did pass Marco Rubio's Sunshine Protection Act. Right. Isn't that, isn't that, what a great, what a great branding that is. Absolutely branding. The whole thing is because who's going to vote against the Sunshine Protection Act? You're going to tell your constituents, I voted against sunshine. No, no. So. It passed the Senate in the U.S., but it is languishing in the House. But the problem is everybody's talking about permanent daylight saving time. Nobody's talking about permanent standard time year-round, which is what the scientific evidence supports, that that would be the best for our health. I mean, nowadays, it's all done for you, isn't it, mostly? But don't forget to uh, set your clocks back this weekend. I'm sure you won't. Thank you so much for your time, no pun intended. Happy to do it.